Hello, everybody. Welcome. Today we are starting a brand new series entitled Living to Make a Difference. So that'll be this week, next week. And then the following week, we have Rick Renner here. How many of you have never heard Rick? Lots of you. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story about Rick, kind of fits into the, the, the message today. Um, Rick has been coming here for 30 31 years, actually. Uh, back 31 years ago, Rick was uh, a young, upstart evangelist Bible teacher, except his, his ministry really just kind of catapulted almost immediately. Uh, very dynamic, gifted, anointed, scholarly. In fact, I've got his, his latest book right here that I've been, been working through, Sparkling Gems in the Greek to 1100 and some pages, not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but it, but it, is, it is broke down into uh, daily segments. All right? so, so Rick would, would come as a speaker in uh, one particular time he came. And uh, in between services, we were back in my office and, and we were talking. And as we were talking there, I get a phone call. And, and I, I pick up the phone and this is like when you picked it up, you know, some of you remember that, all right? And uh, it's a friend and it's a guy I'm going to Russia with. Now, a year before, you had given $100,000 to start the first Bible college in the former Soviet Union for, there hadn't been a, anything new. In fact, everything was closed down for 70 years, right? And you guys sent $100,000 over. We opened a Bible college. We sent 15 families over, and this thing was cranking, right? And this call is, hey, we're going back. We're going to go back to Russia. We're going to go to the school, and we're going to do some evangelistic meetings, and uh, we need one more person to go. And there's Rick. And I just like, in my heart, it's like, Rick should go. So I said, Rick, I want you to come with me to Russia. And Rick's like, no. He said, uh, I don't like missions. He said, I'm called to America. He said, I do not like missionaries. He said, I have relatives that are missionaries. I don't like them. He said, I'm just called to America. And, and I said to Rick, I said, I can't believe you. I said, you, 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 you are speaking in the largest churches in America. I said, and you're getting great offerings. I said, and you will not go to a third world country to bring the gospel to people? I said, shame on you, shame. And I just hammered him until he said I'd go. <laughs> All right, so, so, so why he and I are friends, I, I gotta tell you this other, this other story because you, you'll understand, uh, he might tell it when he comes. So, so this was actually the first time he ever came. All right, this was the time before that time. All right, so it's May, it's early May, but it's exceptionally warm that year. And so we take him fishing, right? Myself, Rick, assistant pastor. And we are actually in a 14 foot rowboat, right? And those of you who know about rowboats, this is not a bass boat. You don't stand up, you sit in a rowboat. But assistant pastor is casting up into the weeds, you know? And he gets stuck and he stands up and he's yanking and it comes and when it does, he falls and the boat flips just like this. Right now, again, early May, water's like 52, 53, you know, and, and, and he and I, we're struggling. We get that boat upright. There's about this much water in the bottom of that boat. And we turn around and Rick's gone. And we're looking for Rick. We're looking over here. Where'd he go? And he comes up on the other side of the boat. His glasses are like this. He goes, brothers, it's, it's cold, you know? So we haul him in the boat. 
I'm telling on myself, really. Okay, so, but, but it's good. The bass are on, they're up on their beds early. On the north side, you know, where the sun comes in, in, early in this year, you always fish, you know, where it goes down to, to pointing to the north and the bass are up there. And so we're like, we aren't quitting. So we take him to shore. Now there's cottages all over, but nobody's there. All right. And as close as what we just say, just strip down to your skivvies, you know, and sit over here on this boat. Well, it was an aluminum boat. And the, some of you already know what happened, don't you? And the fishing was really good. So we left him for about an hour and a half and he had laid down and fallen asleep. Okay. So when we get back, he is red as a lobster. So we take him in the boat and take him back to his hotel. We get him the gel, you know, and he's got that, he's, he's burnt. Oh, is he burnt? You know? And so he comes to church that night. He's got his gel on. This is before skinny jeans. Okay. Trust me. And, and I mean, they are sticking to his leg. Like you can, I'm, you know, he's walking like this. Okay. He speaks. Then there's this lady afterwards. I don't know. She, I, she wasn't from our church. I'm telling you, she wasn't. She came to hear Rick. She comes afterwards, says, let me pray for you. And she goes, wham, slaps him. He said, he screamed and he said, I almost hit her back. <laughs> okay. So, so I talked this Rick who has crazy experiences with me all the time. All right. I talk him into going to Russia. So we get to Russia. Right? And we start teaching in the Bible school where we begin. We are there three days. Right? And he comes to me and, and he says, what, do, do you think it would be possible for me to move my family here for six months to teach in this Bible college? He said, with my ministry in the States, could I go back afterwards? What do you think? And I said, well, I think that if God's put that on your heart, you should do it. So he got back to the States, canceled his meetings, took his family, his wife, his three kids, moved to Russia. 25 years have come and gone and they are still in Russia. They're still there. Um, they, they started the largest church in the nation of Latvia to begin with. Then they moved to, to Moscow where they now pastor the largest church in Moscow. Um, he's the head of the Pentecostal Union. He oversees over 2,000 churches in Russia. And God has just used him fabulously, fabulously. All right. Uh, some of the things that he's done, he, he went thinking he was going to teach in a Bible college. And six weeks after he got there, God opened a door and he started the first television ministry in Russia. And in the first four years, they had over 2 million letters, 2 million letters from people who had for the first time received Christ and wanted to get enrolled in, an on, uh, in, a, in a correspondence Bible school. Over two million letters. You guys had a part in all of that. Now, well, I, I said that to say this, all right? You live life in stages, right? And where you're at today is probably not where you're going to end up. See, Joseph began working for his father. Then he worked for Potiphar as a slave. Then he ran a prison and then he ended up as prime minister of the nation of Egypt. David started as a shepherd, right? became a warrior, then literally became a renegade who was, they sought his life for 10 years. The Bible says that King Saul sought to kill him every day. 
Then he became the king of Judah. And then seven and a half years later, he became the king of all of Israel and spent his last several years preparing his son Solomon for a new position. You, you live life in stages or at levels. And where you're at today may not be where you're going to end up. In fact, it probably isn't where you're going to end up. But I want to talk to you today about your life, about your purpose, about your direction, about your destiny, right? You were not created to get up, have a cup of coffee, breakfast, go to work, check your social media, come home, watch television, and kiss your spouse goodnight. 365. That was not your purpose, right? You were created with a purpose. You were created with a destiny. You were created to make a difference. You were created to leave a legacy. Psalms 112 says, surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Say, what you do is going to touch eternity. The things that you do are not just to make a difference during your lifetime, but they're to make a difference for all of eternity. Now it's talking about righteous and somehow in our minds, we often disqualify ourselves. Let, let me just say, first of all, that, uh, that all through the Old Testament, when it talks about righteous, it's talking about someone whose heart is to please God and to pursue God. Now, if your heart, if the number one thing in your heart is, is I want to please God. See, that's the, what the Bible is talking about in the Old Testament when it refers to a righteous person. It's someone whose pursuit is to please God. It says that the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of the one whose heart is turned towards him. See, that person who's saying, more than anything else, I want my life to be pleasing to God. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says that he made him that knew no sin, that's Jesus, to become sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So at the cross, God, if you could picture it in your mind, how many of you ever seen a Matryoshka doll? I should have had mine with me. Right? Those are those Russian dolls and, and you open them up and they're hollow when there's another one inside and another one inside, another one inside, another one inside. And there's usually like six or seven of them inside. But, but, but picture Jesus as being hollow like a Matryoshka doll. Right? And Jesus took the top off right? and he took all of Jesus' righteousness out. And he put all of your unrighteousness in and then he capped it. And Jesus went to the cross and he paid for everything that was on the inside. He became sin for us. But what else he did is that righteousness that he took, he took your cap off and he stuck Jesus' righteousness inside of you and then sealed, the Bible says he sealed it with the Holy Ghost. It's sealed, all right? So what happened at the cross, theologians sometimes refer to as the great exchange, that God took your unrighteousness and put it in Jesus. And he took Jesus' righteousness and put it inside of you. So the Bible says you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. The Bible says for you right now, God forbid 
it happened today. But the Bible says to be absent from the body when, you're, when your body dies is to be present with the Lord. In other words, as a Christian, if your body dies today, the real you is going to step out and going to go and be in God's presence for all of eternity. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. You do not need to go someplace and pay for your sins. You don't need to go to school to learn how to be holy. Because with the righteousness you have right now, you are going to live in God's presence for all of eternity. Think about that. That's good news. Good news. How many know the gospel? It is good news. And so that great exchange took place. The Bible talks about Elijah and compares him to the righteous man. It says about Elijah that he prayed for three, that he prayed and it didn't rain for three years and six months and he prayed again and it rained. And it says this, it says that the heartfelt persistent prayer of the righteous man can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It's dynamic and it can have tremendous power. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, with the same physical, mental, spiritual limitations and shortcomings. And he prayed earnestly and it didn't rain. And then he prayed earnestly again and it rained. Now the Bible's telling us, look at this guy as an example of somebody whose prayers God answers, as somebody that God uses. Now, those of you that know the story, he prayed and it rained, it's true. After he had prayed and it stopped raining, he prayed and it rained again. But a wicked queen said, by this time tomorrow, you're gonna to be dead. And the Bible says that he began to think about it. It says when he saw that, he imagined it in his mind. God had a plan to liberate the nation. The Bible says he turned and he ran into the wilderness for three days. He went and laid down under a broom tree and prayed and said, God, kill me. So he missed the will of God. He runs in fear. He is suicidal. And this is the guy God said, I used him and I answered his prayers. How many of you ever miss God? How many of you have been depressed? I'm not going to ask how many of you have been suicidal, but you know what? That does not disqualify you. That didn't disqualify Elijah. In fact, God uses him and says, look, he was a man just like you are. He had the same physical, mental, spiritual limitations, the same shortcomings, but he had a heart that was turned towards God and God used him. God listened to his prayers. Right? The Bible says again in Psalms 112, verse six, talking about that man, he says, we will be remembered forever, forever. You're going to leave a legacy, a destiny. Now, life is not about the accumulation of stuff, notoriety. Life is not about having fun. That's not what life is about. Our number one ambition is to be to honor and glorify God, to fulfill the purpose that he put us here on earth to fulfill. It says in Ephesians 1 verse 4, Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. Get this? The calling to which you were called. You were called. I want you to picture right now in your mind, your phone rings. Right? You answer and it's God. And God says, hey, I have something for you to do. He's calling. 
right? He has a plan, a purpose. In fact, the Bible says very specifically that he has good works he's made ready for you and paths for you to walk in, right? So he's calling, you pick up, and he says, now I want you to walk worthy of this call, right? He wants you to make a difference. He wants you to know the way, go the way, and lead the way. Again, it's not about our hobbies. I, I realize next Sunday, I think, at least I think it is, the Super Bowl next Sunday. Yeah, next Sunday, Super Bowl. All right, have fun, have fun. But life is not about sports. It's not about hobbies. It's not about relaxation. And listen, it's not about taking family time away from church. Just thought I'd let you know, okay? You were not created to suck air, to watch TV, social media. You were created to make a difference. That's what you were created to do, all right? Now, now here's, what, here's what a lot of us do, all right? All right. In, in fact, I, I think I, I, God has put this, this desire on the inside of you. God himself is at work in you, the Bible says, inspiring you to want what pleases him and to work for them. See, God has things for you to do. So here's what we do. You were created to help. You were created to, to help people in crisis. So what we do is we watch a TV program where they create a crisis. They create a situation where help is needed. Right? Then they, they, they bring in a character that you identify with. Right? And then that character solves the crisis, helps get through that problem, and you vicariously think you did it. And you go, wow, I feel pretty good. I'm going to go home, go to bed. You took care, I took care of that. And you know what? There never was a problem. There never was a crisis. And you didn't help a soul. I just thought I'd let you know. It's, you just wasted your time. But you were created to help in a crisis. You were created to make a difference. You were created to show compassion. Right? But you're, you're, you're letting something that isn't even true fulfill the need that you have on the inside because God put that desire on the inside of you. You were created to make a difference. See, you're here to make a difference. Now, Ephesians 4, verse 11, says that he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then it says, listen, for the equipping of the saints or for the preparing of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now for 1500 years, the church has been ineffective, not near as effective as it should be. And the number one problem, the number one problem is that we do not understand these two verses. Right? Here's what people think. They think that it is my job, right? to encourage people, to help people, that it is my job to visit the widows and the orphans in their distress, that it is my job to pray for everybody. It is my job to see the shut. They think that is my job. It is not my job. It is your job. My job, my job is 
to prepare you and to equip you to do what you think my job is. Now, I've got good news for you. God is hiring today. And he's hiring you. He's saying, I want you. I want you. Right? <laughs> See, for 1,500 years, we thought, well, there's just a few people that are supposed to do that. Those professionals. I'm, why did I put money in the offering anyway? It was for you to go and do that for me. That's the, that's the mentality that we have had. But the truth is, my job is to equip you so that you can go and encourage and help and bless and pray for the sick and visit the orphan and the widow in their distress. Ephesians 2:10. Now, by the way, there's not one of you who is unemployed from now on. You are spiritually employed to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians 2:10. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus born from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready, listen, this is you, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set, so we would walk in them, living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, now did you catch that God has works prepared, has prepared for every single one of us. And we're supposed to be doing all these good works that he has made us ready to live. Now, here's what people think. I know this, right? Because I've had so many people talk to me and because I used to think like this, right? I used to think, well, if I really follow God, God will make me marry an ugly girl and move to Africa. You, you laugh, but that's what we think. We think God does not have my best interest at heart. But listen, this is what the verse said. If you will do what God created you to do, you will live the good life. The good life that he prearranged and made ready for you to live. You understand that everything about you, your giftedness, your abilities, every innate thing that's in you, the desires that you have, God is the one who put that inside you. And he's the one who knows what will fulfill you more than anyone else. And when you're in the middle of the will of God, there is no time you are more happy, more fulfilled than when you are right in the middle of what God has for you to do. Amen. Now, I want to tell you a little story. All right. Jeannie and I, most of you know this. We, we lived in Mexico for seven years. We were missionaries. In two of those years, we lived in an Indian village with the Otomi Indians. Now, there, there was the, the town center, and in the town center, there was not one public bathroom anywhere, right? And right before you get to the town center, there was a bridge that went into town, and we lived right on the other side of that bridge. So as, as people would go into town, there's, there's no public restrooms, right? Most of the people are walking in, right? People would, like, relieve themselves right in front of our house. 100, 200 times a day, right? Um, now, at that time, our, our son Joshua, who right now he's over in the Spanish service, speaking over there, but he was two years old. 
And he was what we, we, we refer to as a cotton head. I mean, I mean, he had that, that hair that was just like white. Have you ever seen that little kids with that, just like that white hair, right? And blue eyes, all right? And many, many of the people had never seen a blonde person or anybody with blue eyes, all right? So whenever they would see him, I mean, they just like, <gasps> and the, the most common question we were asked was, can he see? Because his eyes were blue. They'd never seen blue eyes. And, and, and Jeannie would say, well, yes. And then they say, does he see blue? And Jeannie would say, well, do you see brown? You know? But, but every person, I mean, like this, I'm serious. You'd walk downtown, there'd be 50, 60 people. Everybody's got to touch him, you know, just because they'd never seen it before. All right? And then when, 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 when like Jeannie would, would get to someplace and she'd put him down, every little kid would come and put all their toys right in front of him to watch him play. And they'd just sit back. He was a spoiled brat. I mean, come on, how can you have a normal kid? All right? And stuff like that going on. Okay. So, so we've been there for about two years. And uh, we're starting churches, doing evangelistic meetings. And, and God spoke to my heart. He said, you're going to leave. You're going to go to a large city. Name the city. You're going to teach in a Bible college. Go. So I prayed about it. They, <laughs> the guy asked me. I tell Jeannie, hey, this is what God's put on my heart. This door's open. We're going to go. And she says, no. No. Well, I knew I was in trouble right then. When God, when we, look, the Bible says, it says, the spirit and the bride say come. <laughs> and you got to have the bride on board because when mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. All right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm sure this is what God wants us to do. But, but she says, no. All right. So I said to her, because I knew this was God. I said, honey, just pray about it. And she said, well, look, we're doing so much good. We're starting these churches. Hundreds of people are getting saved every week. Everything's wonderful. Why do you want to move? I said, just pray. Just pray. So I'm off for a couple days preaching. I get back late at night. Jeannie meets me at the door. And she says to me, she says, have you ever seen our village? And I thought, well, that's a stupid question. I've been living here for two years. Of course I've seen our village. And she begins to tell me all the negative things about our village, including everybody who's relieving themselves right in front of our house, how much problems she has trying to bring Joshua any place because of all the, and she just makes this list of all these things. Now look, we have been living there for two years. She never noticed any of it. She was loving it. We, we were looking to buy a little block house and live there till we died. All right. And one day God came, took that grace away and she was ready to leave. In fact, I said, well, we're going to leave in about two months. She said, let's go tonight. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, when you are in the will of God, you are happy, 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 happy. Every desire, every gift, every skill, every talent, everything you were created to do, you're using it. You're right there. The fact the Bible says you'll be living the good life he prearranged and made ready for you to live. Now, real quickly, that's the introduction. No, I mean, we get through the introduction. So, so let, me, let me just share one more thought with you before we close. And uh, wow. Acts chapter 26. Paul has just, in the, he's in the middle of having a vision. Jesus is talking to him. He's literally, he's converted at this scene. And Jesus says to open their eyes to their true condition so that they may repent 
and live in the light of God instead of Satan's darkness. So they may be receive forgiveness of their sins in God's inheritance among all people everywhere, though everywhere whose sins are cleansed away, who are set apart by faith in him. Right. That's you. You were set apart by faith in him. Some of your translations say you're sanctified by faith in him. Sanctification simply means to be set apart. Right. But sanctification is like two Siamese twins. There are two parts to sanctification. And most of us as Christians only understand one part, right? We understand the part that we are separated from sin, right? When you become a Christian, you're to live for God. You're to turn your back on sin. In fact, the whole, the whole thing, what do you do to be saved? You repent and believe. That repentance means to turn your back on that old life, to turn your back on sin, to turn your back on the way of the world. That's one part of sanctification. But the other part of sanctification says that you are to be ready to do good works. First Timothy six, verse 18, it tells us that we're to be ready to do good works, willing to give, ready to share. You see, we are not only called away from the world, but when you got saved, God called you to good works. He prepared good works beforehand for you. He's made ready paths for you to live, right? So Christianity is not about do not, do not, do not, do not. Christianity is about what you do, right? Once you're a Christian, you're supposed to be doing those good works, right? So we're sanctified. We are set apart from the world, from sin, but we are set apart to do those good works. That's why the Bible says we're to live worthy of the calling with which he has called us. When Jesus began to preach, he came to Galilee and he said, Time's up, God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe. Time's up, God's kingdom's here. Change your life and believe. There's two ways that your life is to change when you become a Christian. When you become a Christian, you're in the world, but you're not of it. But then there's the part you get into the kingdom of God. We're leaving the kingdom of this world but we go into the kingdom of God where he has you to be the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Jesus said that we should live so that men see our good works and glorify our father who is in heaven. All right. That's how you're supposed to live. You're to live with purpose, with destiny, to leave a legacy. The Bible says this about King David. Um, it says that after he had served God's purpose in his generation, he fell asleep. What did he do? He served God's purpose in his generation. And what you and I are to do is to serve God's purpose in our generation. And you say, I'll be miserable. No, you will live the good life that he prearranged and made ready for you to live. There will never be more satisfaction, more contentment in your life than when you're living the good life. He prearranged and made ready for you. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? The Bible is very clear that forgiven people go to heaven. Not good people, but forgiven people, that everybody's welcome, 
Everyone gets in the same way. Everybody can meet the requirements. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. That means that all of my efforts could not save me, and all of your efforts couldn't save you. There's just one way, and that's Jesus. So he said, you must be born again. That means you need to give him all of your heart, all of your life. Stop living for yourself and begin to live for him. And our temptation is to think, well, I know about God. You celebrated Easter and Christmas. But salvation is not about what you know in your head. Salvation is about your heart. Have you given Jesus all of your heart and all of your life? Does he today have all of your life, all of your heart? The Bible says, when Christ, who is your life, should appear. Not what you do on Sunday, he's your life. And if you're here today and you haven't given him your heart and life, you need to do it. He's not a thief to steal it or a manipulator to trick you. And I want to say this, you are not here by accident today. You are here because God loves you and God is drawing you to himself. And Jesus is saying, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And he said, if you hear and open, I will come in. Revelation 3.20. So if you're here, you're not where you should be with God. You're away from God. You're not right with God. You say, I want to get right. I want you to listen. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand. You're not lifting it to me. You're lifting it to God. And we are going to pray. And God is going to meet you right here in this place. And when we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. And you're going to be right with God. Now, as you lift your hand, the first thing that you're saying is you're saying, God, I'm coming to Jesus today to be forgiven and to be saved. One, as you lift your hand, you're saying, God, I'm coming and I'm giving Jesus all of my heart, all of my life. Nothing held back. Two, now get ready. You're lifting that hand. You're saying today, Jesus is going to come into my heart. He is going to blood wash me from my sin. My past is going to be gone. I'm going to be forgiven. He's going to make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family on my way to heaven. Three, lift it up, lift it up. Say, pray with me. Thank you. I see that hand and that hand and that hand and that hand. Three more hands over here. Another hand there. Another, 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 another. Thank you. God bless you. Another hand over here. Another hand to my left up in the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Others, include me. Thank you. God bless you. Another hand here in the front. Two more over here. All right. Now, everybody, would you please stand? But nobody moving unless it's absolutely necessary. Now, if you lifted your hand, I want you to look right at me. In the balcony, wherever you are. Please move to the aisle that's nearest you. Bring the person you came with, your coat, your purse, your Bible, whatever you need. But come right down here right now. God is going to meet us right here. We are going to pray. And when we say amen in just a moment, your past, it is going to be gone. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. This is your day. If from the balcony, if you'll make your way down, we're going to wait for you. We're going to pray. God's going to touch you today. This is going to be the beginning of a new life. He's going to make you new on the inside. Give them a hand. Would you please as they're coming down? Awesome. 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 Now, Romans. 
chapter 10, verse 13. This is the Bible, all right? This is God talking to you. And it says, whosoever, that means you. You know, sometimes we think, well, it won't work for me. It'll work for other people. And sometimes we think, well, I've done this, I've done that, I've done the next thing. But this will work for you. This will work for whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. Now, the Bible shows us how to call on his name. And that's what we're going to do. Right. So then after we've done it, God's promise to you is will be saved. When we say amen at the end of this prayer, you will be forgiven. You are going to be right with God. Your past is going to be gone. And he's going to make you a brand new person on the inside. Thank you all the way from the balcony. Thank you for coming. God bless. Still more coming out of the balcony. It's awesome. Awesome. Now, this does not depend on how you feel. Right? This depends on what God has said. Your feelings can come and go. They can change. But God said, you do this. You will be forgiven. You will be saved. So this is when we say amen, you're there. And don't let the devil or anybody try to talk you out of it. Now, would everyone please take one hand, put it over your heart, lift your other hands towards heaven, and let's pray together. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I thank you that you love me. And right now, I receive Jesus as my king, as my savior. I give him all my heart in all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That my past is gone. That I am your child. That you make me a new person on the inside. That I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom today and forever in Jesus name. Amen. Awesome. 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 Awesome.